So today we're going to be talking about leaning in, hearing the voice of God. Each one of us makes countless decisions throughout a day, and many of those decisions have little to no impact on the big picture of our life. You might think about what you chose to put on and wear today, whether or not you ate or didn't eat breakfast, what time you decided to wake up, maybe how you use your free time. In these small decisions, a lot of times we don't think of like a big picture impact, but what about big decisions? How do you make big decisions in your life? What is the grid work that you put things through when you think about things like if you go on to school or not? what you're going to study, if you're going to get married or not, or who you're going to get married, how we take care of our health, how we spend or invest our finances. What makes all these bigger decisions challenging is often we can't see the end results of where they will lead to. Back in my early 20s, I was seeking God's direction in my life. And I was wondering where he was wanting to take me to. And and I felt like I was at a fork in the road. Either I could go to Moody Bible Institute and study ministry or go and spend two years in England with a mission organization. Moody or ministry. And both were good options. And as I prayed and sought God, I came to this decision point where I felt like I should just fill out the application to go overseas for a few years. So I filled out this application, and very quickly, it was like my life just took off. And I went to a conference, and at that conference, they told me, here's what you need to do, and you need to raise funds in the next three months to be able to go. And God brought in all the funds, and before you knew it, I was on a plane headed to England for the next two years. In hindsight, it looked so clean and clear and nice, but in reality, in the midst of there, there was a lot more struggles. Is this right? Is this what I'm supposed to do? That's also where um, I discovered Nami, my wife. So I, I think I did make the right decision as I look back. But what I believe that in the midst of all our decision, decisions, we need to lean in. And we need to hear from God and respond to what God is telling us to do. Now as we look at the life of Moses, to just give you a basic recap, last time I spoke, I st- spoke about letting go. And I brought you through the first 40 years of Moses' life up until he was in the land of Midian. Now today we begin after another 40 years and he's 80 years old. For the last 40 years, Moses has been a shepherd. He's gotten married, had a family in the land of Midian and probably forgot about a lot of Egypt and what had happened with the Israelites. And at this point in his life, I imagine at 80 years old, you're not planning for the future. You're thinking, I'm probably going to ride out the end of my life here as a shepherd and family man. But God had different plans. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Exodus 2, verses 23 to 25 today. So here's what we read. Years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groanings and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. Right away, this is key. Often we can make decisions all about us. We can think about our life as we are the center of our lives. That it's about our success, our comfort, our name. When in reality, as followers of Christ, 
God has an unfolding plan that's much larger than you. And God wants us to lean into his plan. And what is this larger story? This larger story is that there is a God who's at work. And there is a God who is faithful. He is aware of everything that's going on. He's listening. He's responding. And he's answering the prayers of his people. That when God looks at this world, he is not disconnected from what is happening. When he looks at your life, he is not disconnected from what is happening in your life. He is aware of your struggles. He is aware of what's going on. And he's faithful, listening, responding, and he's answering your prayers. So what is the answer to the prayer of the Israelites here? Chapter 3, verse 1 is the answer. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. And here is the first idea about leaning in. When you notice something different, lean in. Life can be going on as normal. Everything can be the status quo, and then all of a sudden you feel like a highlight is put on something. You become aware of something that you never saw before. It might be that you were driving the same way to work every single day, and you become aware of something on your route to work. It might be a coworker that kind of, there's this heightened awareness of something that's happening in their lives. It might be an unrest within you. That all of a sudden you have this tension within you and you're, you're asking, what's going on with this tension? It could be that you open your Bible and a verse that you've read countless times all of a sudden leaps off the pages. You could be sitting here in worship one Sunday and all of a sudden it's like the song that was sung was a song that was sung right to you. Or a word that is said is a word that speaks something right into your soul. And when you notice something different, we need to lean into that and ask, what is this that I'm seeing? Moses saw a bush that was on fire, but it was not being engulfed in flames, and so he leaned in. And what does he do in verse 6, 4 to 6? When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And here's the second point. When you lean in, you will discover who is speaking to you. This might seem not like a surprise, but often there are many voices in our life that call for our attention and allegiance. We can hear voices in the media, in the newspaper. We can hear voices of different politicians from work to school to teachers to preachers. We have all these voices that beg for our attention and also tell us conflicting ideas. And often we don't even think to stop and listen and lean in and say, who is this voice that is speaking to me? What is this voice wanting from me? But as Moses leans in, he discovers the one who's speaking to him. And it is God. 
but not some generic disconnected God. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is the God of their ancestors. The God who promised to make Abraham into a great nation. The God who has been faithful from generation to generation. And as he hears the voice of God, what happens is when you hear the voice of God, God's voice makes normal ground holy. God's voice makes normal ground holy. Moses is told he's standing on holy ground. But it's just a small piece of real estate. But when you hear the voice of God, it makes the ordinary extraordinary. It makes the mundane beautiful. When you hear God's voice, it makes beaches, trails, roads holy. When you hear God's voice, it's able to make the metro and mark trains and even the beltway holy. I've stood on holy ground in my house. I've stood on holy ground in my yard. I've driven in what was almost a holy car because God was speaking to me as I drove. I've stood on or sat at holy ground in Starbucks. I've opened the Bible and experienced the presence of God and been on holy ground. Because when you hear the voice of God, it makes normal ground holy. And so what does God speak to him on this piece of real estate? In verses 7 to 10, it states, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, that's a mouthful, now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Israel. And here's what I see in this small section. Three things. First, we see that God is aware of the suffering of his people. He's engaged. He understands that something is not right. Second, we see that God says, I'm going to come. This is why I'm in this burning bush right now. I have come because of the suffering of my people. And the third thing we see is that he is going to partner with a person to fulfill his purposes. And that is God's normal mode of operation. That he partners with people to fulfill his purposes. God could have just intervened himself, but he said, No, I've come to you, Moses, and I want to send you. It's incredible to think that God wants to utilize each and every one of us for his purposes. That us broken, sinful, messed up, selfish individuals, God says, I want to use each of us for his purposes. Think about this. Moses is 80 years old. He probably gave up any hopes and dreams and aspirations to do anything great for God. And here's God saying, no, I'm not finished with you yet. And I'm going to take you and use you for my purposes and my kingdom. So how would you respond in this situation? Would you respond with excitement, fear, doubts, questions? All of these are normal responses as God is calling you. 
And so what does Moses do? Well, he's not real excited about what's happening. Verse 11, we read, but Moses protested. He protests against God. He says, who am I to appear before God? Or to, to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? And here's where we get into this whole series of doubts and questions. And the first question and doubt is about identity. He's saying, who am I? Who am I to follow God's purposes? Who am I to be called by God? And how does God respond? In verse 11, oh, I got ahead of myself. In verse 11, or verse 12, God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And it's interesting here because God does not respond and say, Moses, I'm going to tell you who you are. Instead, he responds and says, I'm going to be with you, and my promises are going to be fulfilled. And as followers of Christ, often we can try to find our identity in ourselves. Culture around us says, be who you are meant to be. Find who you're supposed to be. But in Christ, we're supposed to find who we are in him. And he says, I am going to be present with you. I am going to go with you. And in that, I believe we discover our identity. And beyond that, one day, I'm going to fulfill my promises. This ground you're on right now, Moses, we're coming back to this ground, but with a whole nation. And if you know the end of the story, the nation of Israel does end up back at Mount Sinai. God responds and says, my presence and my promise. But then he goes on in verse 13, and Moses protests again. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And so here we move from doubts about identity to theological questions. Who is this God that is calling me? He projects it onto the people, and Moses says, the people are going to ask this, but I believe really Moses is asking this and saying, who is this God that is calling me? Who is this God that is sending me? And doubts and questions about God are normal. And I'd encourage you, if you have doubts and questions about God, seek out answers. There are good answers to your questions. There are good answers to your doubts. And there's whole organizations and people that they spend their whole life helping to articulate and answer your doubts and questions. I love Ravi Zacharias. He does a great job in articulating answers to difficult questions. I love Tim Keller. He does a great job articulating answers to difficult questions. But how does God respond in the midst of this? Well, the rest of chapter 3 is dedicated to God's response. But the main point is found in verses 14 to 15 where, where God replies to Moses and says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. The God who is sending Moses is the great I am. This term I am means the self-existent one. That there's no beginning and no, be, no ending to God. There's nothing that God needs outside of himself to exist. He is the self-existent eternal God. 
Then the second term, Yahweh, means that he is the covenant God of Israel. That he made a promise to Israel. And now through this promise, he is going to fulfill it. And so this is a faithful God, an eternal God who fulfills his promises. This term I am is also used in the New Testament. And Jesus, when he is speaking with religious leaders, uses this term and says, I am, I am. And when he says that term, the religious leaders seek to stone him to death because they know he is claiming to be the self-existent eternal God. Well, you'd think after this, Moses would probably wrap up his questions and doubts, but he doesn't. He keeps going and he says, but Moses protested again. He's really into protesting. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Great questions. And for these, God states in verse 22 to 9, show them miracles. And if they don't believe the first miracle, do another miracle. And they don't believe that miracle, do a third miracle. And he actually allows Moses to perform all these miracles and basically in front of him in preparation. But sometimes it takes a miracle to convince people of God. Not all the time. But sometimes God has to show up in a miraculous way for people to believe in him. And for the nation of Israel, they needed proof. And as Moses later goes and performs these miracles, it confirms that God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he he will do. And I believe that we serve a miracle-working God. Does he always work miracles in the ways that we want, in the timing he wants, in the timing we want? No. But we serve a God who is still healing and still performing the miraculous. Well, Moses still doesn't say yes. And in verse 10, he states, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. I'm not very good with words. I never have been and not, I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Now here's Moses doubting his abilities. He's saying, I'm not capable. I'm not trained. I'm not a good orator. I can't be a spokesman for this God. Pick somebody else. And maybe you've sensed God's calling on your life, but you looked at your skill set or your toolbox and thought, how can God use these tools for his purposes? I don't have the right abilities. And so you doubt your own abilities and what God is calling you to do. There's an old saying that says, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And it's not about everything that you have. It's about God empowering you for his purposes. And this is how God answers in verses 11 to 12. He said to Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. It is God in you and through you. It is not your own abilities that will enable you to fulfill God's calling and purposes in your life. It is God's empowerment through his spirit within you. God, the one who created you, will empower you for his purposes. Well, finally, in verse 13, we get to the root of the issue with Moses. And he says... 
Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. He has experienced God's calling, the miraculous. And finally, this one really isn't a doubt or a question. It's a statement, and it is simply Moses resisting God. And saying, I want nothing to do with this plan. And he probably has a whole litany of reasons beyond what he's already given. But he's just saying, send someone else. So how does God respond to this? Verses 14 to 16. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. If it was me, I would have probably been angry a couple questions back. But we know that we have a patient and merciful and generous God who is able to show lots of grace. The Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And basically God says, do it but do it together. Do it, but do it together. I've commanded you, I've called you, and I'll let you do it together with your brother. And I believe that ministry is supposed to be done together. That it's not a solo solo sport. It is a team sport. That we get together and we say, let's do this together. That's why we've even created small groups Because it's a place where we can facilitate conversations and not just conversations, but doing life together and experiencing God together and living out the purposes of God together. For most of us, we will never be in a position to lead millions of people out of slavery. But nonetheless, God has positioned you in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, and he's positioned you strategically. He has a calling on your life. And as you lean in and begin to hear that voice of God, we're called to respond to that voice. So how about you? How is God asking you to lean in? I believe there's many ways we can lean in, but one is prayer. To have this open communication with God. Prayer is two-directional. That we speak to God and we also listen and respond to what God is telling us. Is he calling you to lean in in prayer? Or maybe with the Bible. Maybe God is calling you to lean in and make it a normative part of your rhythm to get in God's word. God speaks very loudly through his word. We're still in the beginning of the year and you can get on a Bible reading plan with the YouVersion app or something else. I make it a point every day to get into God's word. Not just for studying, but for personally hearing from God and responding to God. Maybe God is calling you to lean in to overcome doubts. You might have doubts in your own abilities or your calling, or you might have doubts about who God is, and God is maybe telling you to lean in and seek out answers and a response from him. Maybe it's simply doing what God has told you to do already. That you need to just start moving with with what God has already revealed to you. Or maybe you need to simply find somebody you trust to go with you. Like I mentioned, this is a team sport. We are not called to do this solo. So how is God asking you to
to lean in. When we lean in to God, he can handle our doubts. He can handle our questions. He can handle when we think we aren't good enough or that we don't have the right skill set. God is able to help us and lead us and ultimately utilize us for his purposes if we simply are willing to lean in and respond to God. Let's pray. God, you are a great God that's so patient and generous with us. And Lord, we are, I am in awe that you would use a person like me. And God, you call us all to lean in. And in this new year, as we begin afresh, may we lean in and discover what it means to hear your voice and respond to your voice. May we be people who push through doubts and questions and insecurities and even sometimes our own rebellion to discover your purposes for our life. So God, we look to you. Help us to lean in and hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen.